This is Near FM. Weekday mornings from 11. This is Northside Today. And on the line now, I have uh, Michael O'Brien with the, from the Anti-Austerity Alliance. Uh, good morning, Michael. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Okay, I was watching last night the launch of yourselves and uh, People Before Profit and the manifesto that you have. What? How long have you been talking with them over the past year or so? Because I was always looking for, had there been some kind of uh, coalition in the background going on in talks? It didn't just come up overnight. So how long has it been going on? Well, I think it kind of began in the summer of the, the local elections where both the Anti-Austerity Alliance and the People Before Profit made a big leap forward. Uh, getting councils elected across uh, the state. I think uh, between the two organisations, we went from something like you know uh, ten councillors to, to twenty-eight or thereabouts. So we effectively trebled our representation, um, and it was clear that in a number of different constituencies, uh, we were poised to make further breakthroughs at the next all election. Mm-hmm. And in a kind of a complex kind of political situation where there's various kind of forces uh, coming on the scene, and where there's a big kind of constituency of, of people as we see in the opinion polls who are turned off by the main establishment parties uh, just thought that we needed to take measures together to get across the kind of the, the, the radical left mm-hmm. uh, message uh, and you know present if you like a, a bit of a united front and then obviously work cohesively together in the, in the next uh, doll as well. Okay. Now you're, you're advocating a new uh, type of politics based on people power and uh, one of the things that you're talking about is the getting rid of uh, the taxes and a lot of the austerity taxes. That in, does that include the USC? Because there's a lot of... Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it does include uh, the USC which you'll recall began as a temporary employment levy, I think Brian, the late Brian Lennon called it and then it was transformed into the USC which was a massive a position, um, particularly on low and middle income uh, people. So yeah, I mean that, that uh, the property tax, water charges, and so on. All these measures uh, that were brought in in the course of the crisis uh-huh. uh, that disproportionately affect uh, people on low and middle incomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's become a sort of controversial issue now, getting rid of the USC. I mean, the government's proposing to do it over five years, but if anything, it's sort of been kept in the hip pocket that if if the economy takes any sort of a dip, which there's a danger that it might, uh, like there's some rumblings in, in Europe uh, about it. And uh, but Are you talking about getting rid of it immediately, or are you, have you, are you on the same length that yeah, sort of over a period I, of time? I, I think yeah, as, as quickly as we can, we have to unpick... Uh, the 41 billion euros worth of, of cuts and unjust taxes uh, that were imposed in, in the course of the crisis. Uh, but part of that as well is not just kind of doing those reversals, but it's about looking at the undertaxed uh, sources of, of wealth and economic uh, activity in Ireland. Uh, you know, specifically, you know, in terms of private personal wealth, uh, very high incomes, uh, corporation uh, tax, financial transaction, employers, PRSI, like uh, all of these are, are get off relatively uh, lightly. Mm-hmm. in our society and I think you know we have to look at all of that um, and see you know what, what we can get from, from all of those sources to actually properly fund our public services uh, our store public services um, and then look at the question of, of the debt uh, as well because we're committed to paying you know 8 billion euro this year off the, the debt that we took on in the course of the crisis and then we're committed to service that debt right up until 2053 and, and it comes at an enormous cost we pay a heavy price uh, for all of these uh, choices uh, we see it in Bowman Hospital. We see it in terms of the housing crisis uh, in this corner uh, of the city. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll be painted in the mainstream media as being, you know, uh, you know kind of 
unreasonable or, or, or far-fetched in terms of our policies. I mean, we think it's, it's far-fetched to effectively normalise mm-hmm. the situation we have around us now, like if you're sick or if you're looking for a home to live in. Okay, and in your rounds when you're going around with the parties, I mean, you're talking about the repeal of the Eighth Amendment, the discrimination with schools and stuff like that. What sort of reaction are you getting from the people on the doors? Uh, well, it's fairly positive. I mean, like, uh, I mean for us, the social progress and the social agenda, you know, is important uh, as a part of the kind of the economic issues that we want to raise in the course of this election. And uh, like, there's an enormous desire to change in that front as well. That was evident in the marriage equality referendum last year. You know, even in kind of the most working class communities like Darnell and Clulock, you had a yes vote in the order of 88, 90 uh, percent, which took many people by surprise. Didn't take me by surprise. Mm-hmm. mind you, but uh, there has been an identifiable radicalisation amongst uh, women and young women in particular in recent years. Particularly, you know, we've seen in the aftermath of the Caesar Halifanaver tragedy and other similar hard cases that, that come to light. And uh, kind of a disgust that the, the stubborn conservatism that exists amongst the, the big uh, establishment parties in this country. And I think the point we want to get across, whether it's kind of social issues like repeal the eight or the kind of economic kind of fights like the, the water charges, that we think people's power has to play a big role in Irish politics on an ongoing basis because people's power can actually force the pace uh, of change and we don't know what kind of government we're going to get mm-hmm. next month if the election does happen next month. Um, but if it is a government that you know still has kind of pro-establishing parties uh, within it, I think okay. it's likely to be a weaker, um, kind of less stable government with a smaller majority and I think therefore more vulnerable to pressure from, from below. So from the point of view of the anti-austerity lines of people before profit, we want to get a a bigger team of TDs in there uh, so that we get a better opportunity to kind of raise our ideas and help to play a, a, a role as organisers in the struggle as well as we link to those people who are movements on the outside. Okay, well, to, to get all these things through, you need numbers, and that's the game at the moment. I mean, there's people, or there's... Uh uh, auction politics going on at the moment and talking about everyone's talking about the alignments they would make and stuff like that have you thought about that and what you would do and is there anyone that you've ruled out in other words well as the people before profit I've been categorical and ruling out uh, serving in a government that includes Fianna Fáil Fine Gael and Labour uh, and their offshoots like Renewa I think we're in favour of a, a left government uh, that you know challenges uh, the rule of capital that is, you know, actively uh, reverses uh, the austerity measures and, you know, and, and, and taxes uh, well. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what we that's what we favour. Uh, we don't know if the numbers will stack up for that in the aftermath of the election, but we'll talk to any other party that forces that, in, you know, say they're in favour of that. So that more uh, or less, well, that more or less just leaves, uh, if we have me figures right, Sinn Féin and all the independents. Possibly does, yeah, and I think that there is an issue around um, Sinn Féin because, you know, what my own feeling about it is that Sinn Féin are, are riding into this election on two horses because, uh, on the one hand, uh, they do have a, you know, a reputation for being in the anti-austerity camp, um, and I think they will do well, they will make a big stride forward in terms of their representation in the doll, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, at the same time, you know, there's been utterances in the media about their willingness to, to uh, form a coalition with the likes of Fianna Fáil mm-hmm. and Labour, albeit them as minority partners within that arrangement but you know we think that to have seen a fall of labor within any government you know is a basically that government would have a, a, you know a veto on any mm-hmm. uh, kind of genuinely 
Well, doing less of a radical uh, politics. Yeah, just having a quick look at the numbers. I mean, I think that, that you have uh, more uh, numbers between the two of you than they have. So you would be the ones that would be in, in to the forefront in the government. So do you think that they would take kindly to being sort of in the background more than in the fore, which they're looking <laughs> to do? Uh, Sinn Fein. Well, no, my expectation, like just realistically, speaking, I think the anti-austerity people who fall profit, uh, I think we're looking for aim and maybe, you know, on a good day, get eight or nine seats in the doll, whereas I think Sinn Féin are, are hopeful of getting, you know, upwards of, of 30 or thereabouts. Um, okay. So it, it's all very complex, and we just have to kind of see, I mean, what we want to do between now and the elections is just to maximise our representation and then just engage with other forces afterwards uh, mm-hmm. and see what's possible. Um, but... You know, as I say, it, it, there's an awful temptation and, and, a, and a cycle of kind of sellouts and betrayals in Irish politics where, you know, parties that are, see themselves as progressive, whether it's, whether it's, whether it's the Labour Party or the Green Party in the past, um, it kind of apply this logic that, you know, you've got, you've got, you go into government um, with the likes of Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael and you get some of your programme implemented, um, you know, rather than being a party of protest. But mm-hmm. the consequences we see is that you have to take responsibility all the bad stuff that happens and you know that's where you know Labour are going to get unstuck that's yeah. what I think you know, where, where the Green Party previously got wiped out and I think you know if the, the basis is not there for a genuine left government on this occasion uh, well then you just have to look at you know how you, you form a strong opposition that's linked to as I say people power movement on the outside of the doll that can exert you know a pressure on, on an unwilling government yeah, well, I, yeah, well, of course, Michael, over the past uh, two or three years, like, people have been furred up all right. And uh, I think that's the reason of the rise for independence. I mean, the highest numbers there are actually independents. And if they could be aligned up together, but everyone, they're not aligning themselves, if I can put it that way, to any party. So it sort of makes a, a quite a shaky prospect. And people get nervous with things like that. Um, so it depends, I suppose, on, on... Do you think it's going to be a knocking at doors or a... a a uh, Facebook t- type of um, <laughs> election, uh, electioneering, or rather, uh, uh, or as people calling to the doors, because I haven't seen many of them unless it's the wait until the last minute. Well, I think it's 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 every like uh, I think the election will be fought at, at all levels. Like we're doing a lot of door knocking, but we, we do have a social media kind of dimension to our campaign as well. So we try and engage with people as much uh, as we can. I mean, it is quite a remark upon in some quarters, like you know, when they knock on doors, that they don't see as much of the more establishment parties, but I think an aspect of that too is that they don't really have the, the, the foot soldiers, if you like, that they, don't, they can't seem to tools their own uh, grassroots to come out and to kind of defend the record in government in the case of the government parties. Uh, like on the, on the, the odd occasion when they do venture out, I do hear a lot of anecdotal yeah. evidence that they're chased away. As people are, are quite roiled up about what they've had to endure over the last seven years, but also people feel offended by the constant narrative of recovery, which, you know, the government backed up with uh, economic growth figures and so on, but it doesn't kind of translate into terms of the day-to-day lives of a lot of people in Dublin Bay and Art. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you said yourself, it looks like it's going to be, you know, a hard fought, and, and I don't know if it's going to be a messy battle, but uh, there's a lot of scrapping going on at the moment and who will, who will join with who, and you've laid an edge or colours there who, on how it would be. Um, are you optimistic about the, the, the outcome? I, I think... Uh there's a long-term kind of trend in Irish politics of uh, decline in support for the establishment parties in the South and again in Labour. And I think that's going to continue. That they're going to take a, a four-hour hit between them. Um, and then I think there'll be a corresponding rise in support for 
parties that are seen to be outside of the establishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whether we see it, uh, an utter changeover uh, where the, the establishment is going to be completely displaced next month, that, that, that's quite a tall order. So I think what you might have is a, is a more kind of enfeebled establishment uh, who, who possibly might cling on to power of this or some such. So it, it's like we're, we're still in transition, it seems to me, and it could be the election after next before you know, we see that the prospect of, of the, the left government that we need mm-hmm. kind of really on the agenda. Okay. Uh, but all the same, like, uh, uh, next month could be an important kind of step to bring okay. that uh, day uh, closer. And is there a difference, uh, just to, to clarify things, is there a difference between yourselves and uh, the PFP about um, who you would, uh, with, sorry, about the alignment with uh, Sinn Féin? I think uh, you don't want to, but... Uh, People probably do, or is it the other no, way? No, it, it came up at, at the press conference yesterday, and then the media kind of uh, thought to. Well, I think the mainstream media, no, not not yourselves in here, mm-hmm. found it hard to get their heads around the concept of, of you know what this arrangement was between ourselves and people before possibly. But you were asking, was it a party yet? Because it's registered with the registrar of political parties, whereas you're trying to explain now it's kind of like a, a federal structure mm-hmm. and alliance, and that is like the two components maintain their identity and their structures, and they're still you know, allowed for like certain kind of, you know, uh, differences in emphasis or whatever on, on, on the, the minor, more minor details of policy, but we laid out, like, quite a lot of principles that we had in common, but specifically on, on the Sinn Féin question, but more a question of transfers that um, I think people before process, you know, will be advocating, you know, after people vote for them and ourselves and, and then other genuine elected okay. independent elected groups that, that they will then corporate people to transfer thereafter to Sinn Féin, whereas we won't advocate. Yeah. Transfers thereafter to Sinn Féin uh, because of the record in um, you know, the North in terms of being part party to uh, you know uh, an mm. agreement that, that includes austerity measures. You know what I've seen in terms of Dublin City Council and the arrangement they have with the Labour Party okay. and, and the passing of budgets that has included cuts. You know we we don't feel we can uh, give that recommendation for further transfers to Sinn Féin. Okay, well, yeah, it was just to clarify that in the first place. Do you think when you're talking about transfers and all of that, do you think people need to sort of have a little bit of? Uh, <laughs> I'm not demeaning people's uh, ignorance or anything, but a little bit of education as regards to voting. Because if there's 30 names on the list, a lot of people are inclined to just put one to 30, whereas uh, they, they can't see how detrimental that can be in the way they're thinking themselves. So uh, to, get, to get people to understand, do you, do you have to explain a lot of that on the doorstep? Yeah, on transfers and that? I feel there's going to be... Um a chunk of people out there who are going to be voting for the first time. Maybe they felt kind of alienated in the past, but I think, you know, the way we've seen that mass burst of registration and the marriage equality referendum, that might kind of follow through with those people, uh, you know, becoming engaged. So maybe the first time voting on a, in a PR type election, and then there's people who have voted on and off and who may have had the wrong impression that you have to go all the way down the ballot paper where you can stop at any point. So, yeah, we'd have to find some way of kind of, kind of communicating to people, like, you know, that they can... You know, in the case of Dublin Bay North, where there's something like 20 candidates, they can just kind of do a one, two, three, and then leave the rest or, or, mm-hmm. or go as far as they want. But there's, there's no obligation on them to, to go all the way down to 20. Okay. And uh, you're talking all, yourself and PSP are talking all the time. Obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, so we, we had a, like a joint press event yesterday. We thought it be forward initiatives. We'd have to have a joint party political uh, broadcast as well on RTE. So, yeah, there'll be, there'll be an amount of that uh, going on as well. Okay. Listen, good luck in the election. I'm sure I'll be talking to you uh, at future times as well and uh, lots of other candidates as well and we'll see how it goes. Is there... Um, uh, do, could you see yourselves maybe with a whole host of independents 
as I say, the majority uh, there, and I think there's something like around the country, I think there's something like 30 in Dublin, around the country is about 100. Uh, could you see that sort of government being formed, or is that too a little bit erratic? Yeah, it, it depends like on, on the type of independence as well, because there's the independence of the right as well as of the left, you know, mm-hmm. so you kind of have to read the small print on, uh, on many of them, so, um, and I think if people are kind of attracted to the idea of people being outside the, the political mainstream, but some, some independence can be former, being a father of any who didn't get the nomination that they thought, uh, and, and then they, you know, they go off on their own, like, but their, their fundamental politics and conservatism is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they just don't have the, the Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael uh, label, so we just have to, to watch for that. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think of the notion and the suggestions put forward that the type of uh, negotiating with independence, especially all over the country, sort of brings back party pump uh, politics where people are just, they'll go with someone as long as you give me what I want for my area. And that's why they feel like they're elected in the first place, that they're looking after their own area, that type of politics coming in again instead of for the whole country. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think it, it's not a good way to do politics because I know that every community up and down the country has very particular uh, issues and, you know, I can see a TD women's support on the basis of uh, a local shopping list of genuine issues. Uh, but, you know, I think it's wrong to form an agreement to have those issues resolved to hell with the rest of the country and then actually give your back into that government for a full five-year term and that government may end up doing a lot of other damage the very community that you that you represent, like you know, it's mm-hmm. not it's not good. Okay, you know, we need more fundamental change than that. Okay, well, it looks like uh, it's a hard slog ahead for you in the next couple of weeks, so good luck with it, and I'll talk to you, I'm sure, again over the next couple of weeks. But for the moment, uh, Michael, thank you very much for talking to us. Good stuff, take care. Thanks a lot, Michael. And that's Michael Brown from the Anti Austerity uh, Alliance. This is Near FM. Weekday mornings from 11. This is North Side Today.